As superhero movies are becoming mainstream entertainment at theaters around the world, comic fans also have plenty of heroic action on the small screen to keep them sated while waiting for the next blockbuster. We are in a golden age of superhero television shows, with plenty of offerings from both the Marvel and DC universes, and the trend shows no sign of slowing down. To chronicle these recent shows and even examine some of the classics, we are proud to present Weekly Heroics, a two true freaks guide to heroes on TV. In every podcast, we'll be doing recaps of individual episodes of one Marvel show and one DC show until we catch up to them or some supervillains shut us all down. My name is Scott McGregor, and I'm the fastest podcaster alive. That's what she said. And I'm Chris Tyler, one of your agents of cool. To bring you this podcast, we each have to become someone else. We each have to become something else. Two, two, three. It was the time of the preacher. When the story began Of the choice of a lady And the love of a man How he loved her so dearly He went out of his mind when she left him for someone, she left behind. Hi, kids and other beings listening to us at home. Welcome to Weekly Heroics, a two true freaks guide to heroes on television. And we're going to call this Issue Zero because I, we don't know when it's going to come out or where it's going to come out in the scheme of the new show, but it is the new show. And normally on the new show, we're going to do like episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and um, Flash and Arrow and all those good shows. And um, and it's usually going to be me and Hair Metal Hero primarily. One DC show, one Marvel show. You decide. You, you, in a nutshell, <laughs> Serotonin has more eloquently said what I was trying to in three words. Well, you know, it took me a paragraph, as usual. But, as you can hear, that's not Hair Metal Hero. He's actually not with us tonight. So, I've got substitutes already for our very first show. Yay! Because <laughs> that's how we do it. That's how we roll here at Two True Freaks. Uh, chaos reigns. And I'm also joined by Brian Hughes tonight. We've done a couple podcasts. Oh, I'm with, uh, Brian Hughes, also known as Polar Boy, head of the Legion of Substitute Podcasters. Yes, yes, and oh, don't sell yourself short. He's a, also a leading podcaster in what show, Brian? Third Degree Burn. Covering all things John Byrne, the, one of the gods of comic book artists. But we're going to be talking a little Garth Ennis comic-y stuff tonight, and that's mm-hmm. cool, too. Um, so as I said, normally we're doing like the Marvel and DC shows, and this is, I guess, would technically be a DC show, because it originally came out under Vertigo, I think, wasn't it? I believe so. But you know, and, I'll tell uh, you, I never actually read the books. No, okay. No, so I'm, pro- no, the I'm probably only, the only one who has out of the crew here tonight. Then I mean, I think uh, I've got some of Garth Ennis's superhero stuff. Like uh, I've got the Planetary series, uh, mm-hmm. but I, I never really, you know, went out of my way to read one person's or another stuff and that, that went to Vertigo or, or you know the other things like that. Uh, I was always more of the the superhero kind of comic books. But as this stuff starts coming to TV and we start seeing you know more shows like this. They're always really, really cool. I really enjoy it. So 
I, I guess we're putting the horse before the cart here because we haven't even uttered the the name, the word. Uh, Do we have to? I'm sure everybody knows what we're talking about. I think we should. Yes, we're <laughs> talking about uh, the long-awaited adaptation of Preacher, uh, which is the Garth Ennis book that came out in the 90s. Um, one of the few good things that came out of the 90s in comic books. Um, <laughs> and I, I read it back then, and um, crazy, crazy shit. I mean, it, Garth Ennis was actually kind of my first foray into stuff that wasn't DC or Marvel. Mm. Um, well, I'd read some, like, San Francisco, you know, Freak Brothers comics and a couple underground things here and there, but nothing that, you know, actually had an ongoing title, so... Yeah, I hope. I think actually my first Garth Ennis was a book called Just a Pilgrim, um, which was very similar in tone to Preacher, but you know it was just like mind blowing and game changing for me at the time. That some of the stuff they were getting away with and themes they were exploring were just completely batshit crazy. And I've always loved batshit crazy. So there you go. Um, Sarah, I take it you have not read a Preacher comic. I don't read comics. No. <laughs> and just to show my my how illiterate I am in this realm, it wasn't even Garth Ennis that did Planetary. It was Warren Ellis, and oh, okay. shows you how how far off the mark I am. Right. Yeah. Well, just see, I'm a when I was a comic reader, I was very you know I, I didn't pay attention to like artists and writers as much as a lot of people. Blast so me. I feel like uh, yeah, I know I feel like such an inadequate nerd compared to most of y'all. <laughs> but but the things that really resonated with me, I knew who I was reading, and Garth Ennis was always one of those. So um, Anyway, yeah, some fool decided it was a good idea to try and make a TV show out of it. And the fools, <laughs> yeah, the fools, yeah, and there aren't many bigger fools than him. Um, Seth Rogen, what is his partner? Uh, Goldberg. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. And uh, we all, I mean, I know Seth Rogen from multiple movies, obviously, and um, <clears throat> Pineapple Express. And, uh, you know, I was one of those people that was a little scared when I heard he got his paws on it. Um, That's because nobody else wanted it. Uh, that, it's been, yeah, Actually, it's been bounced a, around development hell for a while. Nobody had like, it. Yeah, no one was, like, kind of brave enough to be like, all right, let's really green light this thing. They've talked about it for a while, but... And AMC, man, they, if nothing else, they're they're a network that takes chances. I mean, it's the Walking Dead network, duh. So, you know, you know that they can turn up the violence aspect of it without a problem. Um, but, yeah, Seth Rogen's primarily a comedy guy, and while Preacher is very dark, dark comedy, uh, you know, I was questioned whether he could do it right. All right, and that's my rant about being the comic book guy. I made I made a conscious choice not to go back and read the comics, though. Uh, just before watching this, because I've heard they deviate from it a little bit, and I didn't want to like get into the nitpicky shit. So um, I'm going to stop there and like get some more feedback. What do you guys think of the first first episode? We'll kind of do a little recap of it and talk about our characters, and we're going to do episodes one and two tonight. But so, what was your? Oh, go ahead. Were either of you like sold from the minute one with the whole fifties ish, you know, science fiction opening that just like blew me away? I'm like, that was they sold me right there. I'm like, all right, I'm on the ride. You know, oh yeah, it grabbed people, me. It grabbed yeah. me. But I, t- I tell you, the introduction of Cassidy is what grabbed me the most in the first episode. Mm-hmm. Hard not to, really. but the, again, the introduction of Tulip. I thought actually their introductions were a lot more compelling than you know. The, you know the main character. 
Yeah, yeah. So far, that's that's kind of been the vibe, and definitely, yeah. Jesse's a, a, the boring one at this point, um, to be sure. You know, he just kind of he sits around and broods at this point. Is he supposed to be a descendant of uh, Arm- George Armstrong Custer? Uh, yeah, I think it's implied, isn't it? See, I, I don't remember enough of the comic to know if, if they went there or not, but um, I did just briefly rebrowse some of the beginning ep- some of the beginning stuff from from the books, and I noticed where they went different, and I'll talk about that a little later. But I actually think they improved on it, so that's my thought on it. But Sarah, what was it? you watched it here with me, and you didn't really know what to expect at all. And I could see your jaw on the floor through most of the first episode, being like, what the fuck did I just watch? When the African preacher exploded, <laughs> I thought maybe I should strap in for this ride. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, within five oh, minutes. That's, that's, that's a mess. Okay. First five minutes, you've got, you know, 50s science fiction space stuff and a preacher exploding. Yeah, usually, no, it's not going to be dull. I so. saw the interview they did one episode of Talking Preacher afterwards, and they said for the beginning that they actually wanted to do it like really bad sci-fi and have like tennis balls hanging on strings. Yeah, and found out that that was way too expensive, so they went to the CGI <laughs> guys and said, make it look like a bad 60s sci-fi. And they went, well, what do you want? They said, no, make it look like really bad 60s sci-fi. And they went, oh, you're serious? <laughs> I haven't I haven't gone to check, but I swear that one shot is is peeled right out of nope, Forbidden Planet. It was Planet. all made not, for for. Yeah, uh, well, it was. It had to be inspired by because that like gave me well, Forbidden Planet. That's much they said that they wanted. Yeah, and that was to put hold on that this can now go anywhere. Yeah. Oh hell yeah, it has. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and so we we cut to that to the extreme mundane of this little Texas town of Anvil. Mundane. Uh, <laughs> Well, you know, it's as screwed up as any small town I've ever been in. You know, I, I've lived with these people before, haven't you? Yeah, but, you know, I would never call Monday in any town where they got a kid named Arseface. Mm. Uh, and- well, you know, <laughs> it's similar looking, you know, self-made monsters in some places I've I've, I've lived. So Arseface wouldn't be that much of a surprise to me, I guess. Um, but... <laughs> Again, I knew the kid that actually murdered somebody because of Dungeons and Dragons. So let's oh, just put my. that out there on the table. <laughs> I was trying to one us, one up us, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just, <clears throat> just saying. Earth's face wouldn't really. I come from a strange town. I'm, I'm. I would be at home at Anvil, Texas. Yeah, That's what I'm saying. Well, they definitely uh, got the the ambiance of of that just down. I mean, that whole place stinks of heat and desperation. Now, that's one of the big deviations from the comics where I think they actually did it better. And spoiler for a 25-year-old comic, but Anvil, Texas gets wiped off the map literally within like three pages of the uh, the comic book starting. Wow. When, when, when Jesse gets zapped by whatever he gets zapped with, yeah, it destroys the entire church and everyone in it, a nice scene of skeletons evaporating. Yeah. Pleasant stuff. So, so all of the people we're meeting in Anvil in the comics are actually people we've met. Jesse meets along the way. He goes on a road trip, which it looks like they're going to kind of nip in the bud for a while at least. And I've read that it's pretty much 
primarily just to save on on location budget costs, you know. Uh, which makes sense, but I actually think it's an improvement on the comic. Um, well, um, eventually we get uh, we get some great music in the beginning of this time of the preacher, uh, Willie Nelson. The obligatory Johnny Cash song. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was going over the the playlist of it, and there'll be. I was waiting def- to hear when the man comes to town. Oh, I know, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> they're saving that one for a couple episodes down the road. But yeah, I, I would bet money on on that one. It's anything like vaguely apocalyptic or religious. It, it, I think it's actually a law in Hollywood. Must include that song. And I welcome it. Love it. Um, who do we meet next? We met Tulip next, didn't we? Or would we go to Cassidy first? Cassidy on the plane. That's right. So, uh, but we we have a little scene with Jesse and and this this child, and we we see his uh, <laughs> bad redneck stereotype father shooting a. Shooting squirrels, you know, outside of the church. I just Abe Lincoln. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> charming fellow that you can, you can tell is going to clash somewhere down the line. And uh, so this this young kid brings Jesse a beer after the sermon, mm-hmm. and it pretty much implies that he'd like him to hurt his dad. That he's heard that you know exposition time that Jesse used to do things when he wasn't a preacher, violent things, ugly things, and. Um, you know, so he's he implies that dad is hurting mom and that he, he would like Jesse to, to make him stop and, and Jesse kind of well, he he kind of goes scared straight on the kid and he's like, Okay, well wh- how bad would you like me to hurt your dad exactly? You know? <laughs> he's like he's a big guy, he's gonna fight back and things are gonna escalate and and you can see this kid just being like, Okay, I immediately regret this decision. And he, he backs off a little bit, but um, obviously Jesse has uh, got the wheels turning about how he can, you know, help help the woman in question if, if her husband is beaten on him. And he talks to the sheriff about that a little later. Okay. Anywho, then we, Did you re- recognize the sheriff? We're talking about Hugo Root, right? Yeah, no. Did, um, have you seen something yeah. about Mary? Yeah. That's Warren. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> See, I saw that name, and I'm like, I should know this, but I, it wasn't ringing Sur- any bells. Surprised the heck out of me. I wonder wow. if, I mean, the name <clears throat> of the character, that's from the comic book? Yeah, I believe so. Because any time I see Root, I immediately think of Steven Root. For oh, me too, it, totally. Anything. Yeah, because yeah. he's God. <laughs> Between news radio and office space, yeah, I, I worship at the, the temple of Steven Root, too. Um, he, he also was a sheriff in Red State, the Kevin Smith movie. Was he a sheriff? Yeah, yeah he was. He was the sheriff, and yeah, yeah, just a, a crazy part. But that's Stephen Root. So nice. <laughs> I, no, I say Tulip. Uh, she she grabbed my attention from the very beginning. Of course, I've always liked that actress. I thought that yeah. I thought that when she was on Agents of Shield that they really went the wrong way with her. Her character Raina was interesting. And then when they turned her into Porcupine Woman, you know, they, they I mean, she's just striking to look at. I wish the show would let her use her own goddamn accent though. It's it's another one well, the, the, now she the was, UK is taking over our shows again. We've got uh, Dominic um, Cooper. Yeah. Blank thank you. <laughs> Blanking on names. You know, Dominic Cooper is the lead, and, and well, you know, I get Cassidy is allowed to be Irish, and I think he actually is. 
And uh, yeah, Ruth Nega is very Irish. Yeah. Now he's he's not actually Irish. No. <laughs> uh, no, he's he's English. Okay. And uh, closer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's from uh, Lancashire. Okay. England. It, it's funny because every time I see him, not from the not the first scene, but from the moment that he crashed down, when you see him in his little crater, yeah, blood <laughs> crater, so to speak. Um, oh my god. Yeah. It to to all the points where he's at the church, for some reason, and you have to tell me if I'm wrong here, and if I insult somebody here, I you know just, I, I think you probably take it as a compliment. I keep thinking Chris Honeywell. I can see that. Yes. Okay. Having <laughs> <laughs> spend some time with a man, I could definitely see that. Yeah. Okay. Hey, Sarah, you know him. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So so I'm. He has the same kind of anarchic. You know, yeah, the that's fuck it all kind of attitude anyway. <laughs> so if Honeywell ever comes at me with the top of a champagne bottle, run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a, a, a picture. I'm that... pretty sure he's the kind of person that would drink blood just to try it someday. Just for giggles, so, yeah. yeah. Let's let's talk about this. No. <laughs> <laughs> on on that uh preacher recap, there was a picture of Tulip and Cassidy sitting in the pews at the church. And to me, that's I, I sit there and I look at it and I'm like, yeah, Honeywell. He's he's sitting right there looking at me. Yeah, yeah. But I think the the thing, great thing about Ruth Nega is that she can she is such a chameleon that you know she can come in dressed thuggish, or she can dress Wall Street, or she can you know do whatever. She can practically appear as most any race there is. Now she's as I understand, she's from Addis Ababa. You know, like in are Superman. We going to Addis Ababa, Mr. Luthor? Yes. What are they wearing there? <laughs> yeah. It's like a burnoose. <laughs> yeah, but she, a lot of people uh, look like Ruth Nega there. I'd say it's a worthy destination. Yeah, they uh, they moved. She well, she's half Irish and half Ethiopian, and they moved mm-hmm. to uh, Ireland, but when she was the age of four, and that's where she lived most of her life. I say it's kind of weird seeing her on. Uh, I swear I don't know exactly what the line was, but I swear that her and uh, Dominic Cooper had a little like in joke. There was some little call out to like the Marvel universe, and I, I can't pinpoint it. I have to go out. Well, you know they watch, they've yeah. actually been a couple for six years now. Oh really? Those yeah, two? Those two oh, are a couple, and they're in Warcraft together also. Oh, I did not know that either. Well, yeah. that's no wonder the chemistry is so good there then. <laughs> Or you would think it would be that that actually is a testament to their acting because the you know Jesse's trying his hardest for the chemistry not to be there in the show. Oh, the, I mean, you can see the chemistry. They they really feed off of each other when they're yeah. when they're on screen together. It's definitely uh, you know that's that's Roger and Riggs time. You know, it's, yeah. yeah. There's, they've been through a lot of shit together. You can tell. Yeah. Oh wait, no, you said kids at the beginning. I can't cuss, can I? Oh, I'm kidding. Everyone's a kid to me. <laughs> Why? Even the older folk. So where are we? So we meet Cassidy in a plane. He's hosting a, a party and uh, on a Babylon flight because you know, uh, it has to be. Well, yeah, because you know if if we don't get beat over the head with religious uh, symbolism in this show, they ain't doing it right. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and we learn eventually that. Uh, Cassidy notices they're flying towards the, the uh, rising sun, which um, you know wouldn't seem like a big deal if we do, if you didn't realize that Cassidy is actually a vampire. 
and uh, the party guests that he's attending to all start attacking him in a scene that I can only describe as like the anchor fight from Anchorman. Does that like remind anyone of that? There's just spears coming out and crossbows, and freaking he kills a person with a bong, and it's just insanity, you know. <laughs> There were horses and a man on fire, and I killed a guy with a trident. The thing about this, the show I worried about the most is if, you know, are they really going to turn it up to 11 like they had to? And then they did, and it's as batshit crazy as it needs to be. And I'm not sure that's going to hold non-fans' attentions. I guess you guys can speak to that. But... Uh, it's held my attention completely. <laughs> it's just... I said, I, I like any show that just makes my jaw be on the floor for most of the episode that I'm just like, I can't believe they went there. <laughs> and, you know, like the end of that flight where uh, Cassidy takes a non-parachute-assisted jump out of the plane. And, um, you know, I've seen enough kind of vampire movies and stuff to think that, oh, he's just going to reconstitute and they're not really going to show the <laughs> the transition part between when he must be completely liquefied on the ground from falling that far and becoming, you know, a healthy vampire again. But they did. They went all in, and we see um, get old Cassidy in a pit with his nothing but intestines all over, and he gets to lure over uh, an innocent cow and, and feast and get himself well again. And I was probably cheering in the middle of my living room when I first saw that. <laughs> yeah, that was a fantastic scene, but yeah, it, it begged the question to me, how common or well-known are vampires on this planet Earth? Well, apparently you know, we're led to believe at least the people on the plane know about them and mm -hmm. are hunting them. You know? So, um, yeah, I guess we'll find that out. Uh, Je he, he eventually tells Jesse, but Jesse like doesn't believe him, just right. thinks he's fucking around. So. Um, but moving on, we meet Tulip after that in a nice chase through the cornfield and uh we find out what a badass she is yeah and then she teaches some nice children how to make a bazooka crafts. yeah do it yourself fun at home <laughs> yeah, that's how you make a bazooka <laughs> just perfect i mean uh, i said if i had never read the comic i would i would be down with this show it's just well it, it sounds like my dad and bill boyer with the satellite dish <laughs> they, they used a garbage can lid and a coffee can, and they made a satellite dish to catch uh, pay TV years ago. That, that anecdote coming to another Two True Freaks show soon. Yes. So, <laughs> before or after this one comes out, who knows? It's all timey-wimey. <laughs> um, where are we here? So much for the recap. Uh, so we met uh, Cassidy and Tulip and Jesse. And we get to the point Jesse's, um, you know, thinking about quitting. He's he's getting despondent. He goes and visits our friend R's face, which is it was Eugene, maybe? Eugene, yes. But, uh, Tulip sneaks up on Jesse first, tries to convince him to go on another job. But uh, he's sticking to being a preacher, even though she's heard that he pretty much sucks at it. And we get little tidbits of their previous relationship. Um, meanwhile, in Russia... We kind of flash over to Russia. And I love this. They're using the big, uh, you know, big flashing, huge words across the screen to let us know where we are. Like the opening shot where, you know, whatever it is, it's crashing towards Earth. We get Africa splayed across Africa. So for those geographically challenged folks out there in the audience, I guess. But it just it's, goes right along with, like, the pulp feel of it. Actually, this, this show feels very grindhouse to me. 
if I can use that as an adjective, but um, it's just embraces its cheesiness. Yeah, that's that's a great <laughs> great term to use there. Yeah, it's just it it totally does. I mean that the beginning, the beginning, the opening intro is you know completely grindhouse. So it's just yeah, it, it it's the tone. If you like that kind of thing, you like this. Uh, so he goes to visit Eugene, who we we don't know the story of yet, but if you've read press before this, you know that he's affectionately called Arse Face, not really affectionately called, um, and he looks like he has an arse on his face. So, yeah. Uh, if you don't want to look up the pictures yourself, just get that in your mind and, and, and go with it. That right there is just one of the most disturbing characters I've seen on TV <laughs> what I love, though, is how he is just so matter-of-fact in everything he says and does. Yeah, he's he's kind of the uh, he's the moral compass of this show almost. Um, and I, I forget whether he he was in the comic or not. I don't remember exactly. There's so much I've forgotten. It's it's not even funny. But God, it seemed like he would have been a character, you know, a definite character, just because of the <clears throat> the visual that he creates. Yeah, with with that mouth, and is that CG, or are they no, are they, yeah, are they doing physical makeup effect there? Because I, 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 it's probably physical. Wow, I don't know. That's I've that that's not too hard to do as far as movie makeup. I wouldn't think, especially the people that you know they probably borrowed a couple of people from Walking Dead for that one. I would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't we don't get all Eugene's uh, story just yet. But he he talks with. Uh, with Jesse and kind of states that he doesn't think, you know, that he used to talk to God. Jesse's just kind of like nodding, you know, and, and whatever. And uh, he says he doesn't think God's around anymore because he can't hear him. And Jesse seems to be going through this existential crisis himself in a way. Um, he's come back and become a preacher to, like, fulfill a promise. And he, I think he would agree with Tulip that he's not very good at it. Um, we flashed to Russia, as I said, and we've got people investigating another exploding priest, apparently, and people just screaming and like, they blew up, his brains are on me, his brains are on me. And so we know something else has been happening. <clears throat> uh, oh, yeah. Anyone else can talk now if they'd like. Well, did you notice uh, what Jumping. what was going on in the background on the TV, the news reports? The thing that blasted the priests flew through Tom Cruise. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting yeah, they, for somebody to bring that up. Yeah. Yeah, they made a big deal. I think in the second episode too. There's an ad. There's a. There's footage of his funeral too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. It's like world religious leader laid to rest today or something. <laughs> but yeah, that that was actually in the press leading up to it that they had, they had gotten permission from Tom's people to to make the joke. Oh my and, yeah. god. I mean, it's did perfect. they have to go through him or their Church of Scientology? I mean, either way, it's I, a scary consideration. Yeah, probably both. I mean, yeah, you just say Tom Cruise's name and someone has to pay him $10,000. So. Is that or he jumps out of Oprah's couch? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so that was that was beautiful. And hats off to you, Tom, for being able to laugh at yourself like that. But, uh <laughs> Yeah, so I guess we're led to believe that this thing is searching for a, a, a you know, a, a good host that that can handle it. And uh, well, I think we can see by the, you know, where the show is going, who's that is going to end up being. After Eugene has his crisis of faith, they all decide to rebaptize. 
Oh, yeah, I thought that was episode two, wasn't it? Yeah. Aren't we there yet? Not quite. Okay. Well, I mean, wait. Yeah, because we still well, had... We got Bunny in a bear trap. Wasn't Ted know. Ryerson in the first one? Yeah. Well, I remember, the, yeah, the guy that was shooting uh, shooting the, the shotgun at church. No, no. The one that uh, whose mother kept bug- bugging him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's Well, that's... Yeah, I was running joke throughout the first episode is uh, this guy... She calls me at dinner time. She knows it's dinner time. Why does she keep calling me? Yeah. <laughs> the classic, yeah, who thousands of preachers must hear every week is the just annoying parishioner that, you know, has to tell you his life story and thinks that you're going to solve it for him. But, um, yeah, that, that was very cool. And uh, leading up to something important later... Um, Jesse just kind of humors him, obviously. You know, lets him babble, and you know, to the point of he's calling Jesse and, and just complaining about his mother left and right. Uh, we finally have the uh, Donnie is the guy that was shooting his gun outside of the the church, and we finally have the the confrontation. Um, well, Jesse goes to talk to uh, Donnie's wife about you know the potential abuse, and we get an unsettling scene of you know. Him trying to, you know, get this woman to admit that her husband is abusing him, and she does, and starts talking about it in great detail, and very breathlessly, and we soon realize that she's actually kind of into that kind of thing. So, Jesse doesn't really know what to do with that. Oh, anyway, Donnie finds out about him talking to Emily, and meets uh, Jesse in the bar. Uh, after, you know, coming back from, I love it, the uh, the Civil War reenactment society that he's in and they are the rebels of course and and he walks in and jesse asks him if we won this time preach lieutenant how'd it go we win this time anyway donnie's not too happy about the preacher's meddling and meets up with custer at the bar to lay hands on him in a not particularly healing way but custer has the final laugh when donnie gets too cocky and custy yeah custer (laughs) piques donnie's interest promising that donnie's going to be hearing a uh, bunny in a bear trap sound um, <laughs> that's going to be coming from his own mouth. Pitched, got a bunny in a bear trap sound. You'll know it when it comes, because you're the one who'll be making it. And uh, Custer proceeds to beat him and his cronies up, locking Donnie's arm into an unholy position. The sheriff comes in, tells Custer to stop, and he's like, I'm not quite finished there, you know. Sheriff, and, and we get to hear Bunny in, in the bear trap. You ready for that noise now? Preacher! Enough. Your little weirdo friend, too. What did I do? Almost done, Sheriff. So we find... Uh, well, and uh, Cassidy was in attendance too, and then helped him out with the uh, the crowd. Um, and so our next scene is uh, Cassidy and and uh, the preacher in in jail, and Cassidy asking, you know, it's what kind of preacher are you? Custer gets out of jail, he gets over to church, gives God one last chance to basically talk to him, gets on his knees and prays and asks for forgiveness, uh, and he basically says, "Fuck you too." And then um, we get an interesting sound, and a weird being that's been plaguing the series is coming through Jesse's door and knocks him out and wakes up after three days to find his helper, Emily, who has major hots for him, and Cassidy, his new vampire friend, who doesn't know his vampire yet, at home with him. Preacher is just in time for the Sunday sermon where he is planning to tell his flock that he's leaving. 
but on his way to church, he's intercepted by um, Mr. Pesky Parishioner. How would you say his name was again? It was Ed Ryerson, which is funny because it's. I, I think this is an intentional point out to uh, Ned Ryerson from Groundhog Day. You know, the, okay. the insurance salesman that kept bugging Bill Murray, Stephen right. Tobolowski. Okay. Yeah, I, I think this is definitely, you know, an in-joke on their part on that. Ned, I would love to stand here and talk with you, but I'm not going to. <laughs> See hey, that's all right. I'll walk with you. Well, he, he comes up and, and starts uh, rolling with his story again, and Jesse finally gets fed up and, you know, it tells him the same thing he's been telling him the whole episode, which is, you know, what you need to do is, you know, be truthful to your mother you know, tell your mother the truth and open your heart. Be strong. <laughs> Be strong and open your heart to her. And so he says this again, uh, but this time there's this weird, rumbly, you know, otherworldly voice behind it. And he says, you know, be truthful, you know, open your heart. And he gets this glazed look on his face and, and repeats what Jesse has just said to him and wanders off. And then... <laughs> Jesse goes back into church, and instead of quitting like he had planned to, he actually kind of reinvigorates himself and promises that he's going to be you know, a good preacher and, and save them all. And then we get to see the results of uh, of uh, his telling his parishioner what to do, and he ends up at his mother's uh, nursing home uh, very many states away. And, you know, he tells his mother finally, you know, Mom, you, you need to stop bugging me and let me live my own life. And then, of course, he takes the knife out and cuts his own heart out because you need to open his heart as well. So we are, you know, finally introduced to Jesse's power of suggestion, as it were. Yeah, wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't quite open his heart. I mean, he took it out. <laughs> oh, well, you know, he, I'm sure he would have gotten there if he had died of massive trauma <laughs> right before it. <laughs> But uh, I don't know. Did you see that one coming? Oh, Sarah? yeah. I, I absolutely saw I'm sorry. Yeah. Sarah, how about you? Yes, yeah, sort of. Yeah, I pretty much did. Oh, you finally got the big, you know, gravelly voice going on. Yeah, you knew something was going on there. But, yeah, as the comic reader, that's something I was anticipating from scene one. It was just glorious. Honestly, I didn't have a clue. But after he started repeating, stay strong, tell her the truth, open your heart. Open your heart. Through the yeah. entire drive to Florida, I thought, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh-oh. This is going to get bloody. Yeah. And I was not disappointed. No, that was, yeah, that was a great moment for TV, I think. <laughs> Hey, let me ask you, though, when when the preacher was doing his little kneel down speech, you know, his last chance to God, did you kind of get that Conan and Crom prayer yeah, feeling a little bit. in that moment? Because I was almost expecting to hear, done to hell with you. Yeah, I mean, if nothing else, with Seth Rogen at the wheel of this thing, man, we can probably expect just Easter eggs out the yin-yang from it, um, from both the Source comic and everything else in the universe. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, Seth's from my tribe, I think. Uh, so that's that's going to be a lot of the enjoyment of it. Uh, just as dark and crazy as it needed to be the first episode. And, and I, I think it grabbed you guys, right? I mean. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the show's definitely got my attention. It's something that I'm looking forward to each I mean, week. she was a captive audience. I had the chains on the doors and everything, you know, so she could. <laughs> You know, if you call well, the pizza guy. The first, I had tried to see it on demand um, a couple of days before, but the uh, 
my cable provider had it offered it on demand and the only thing i got was the one with the producer it was rogan and and yeah what's his name talking right. over the entire thing i didn't hear any of the dialogue of the program i saw uh-huh. the program but i didn't hear a word that any of the characters were saying I, and, and it drove me insane. And I looked at Scott and went, find me one where I can actually watch it. And then I was stuck. So, Well, moving on to, I, I tell you, as, as a, another thing I knew was coming as a comic reader, but I didn't expect to see it in episode two already. Um, but we opened episode two with, going back to what, 1888, big numbers across the screen, or 1881, something like that. The old fella going to get the medicine for his kid. Yeah. Um, yeah, I probably did a little nerdgasm thing right there because that ends up being a very big character. Not just the guy on the whiskey bottle in episode one, Ratwater Whiskey, but we, we learn that's where he ends up going. But uh, I'm not going to say anything more, but suffice it to say, I think we'll be seeing Cowboy Dude again eventually in the show. It's just not kind of a, you know, one. It's not just to serve the whiskey icon let's put it that way so that was a definite squee moment to see them introduce that character kind of so early well, anyway we don't get to hear much from the cowboy dude he's, he finds a family uh sit around their fire and eat with and you know a guy who's way too chatty for the kind of conversation he wants and you know he's he's loving the frontier he's like this is paradise on earth don't you think and our silent eastwood type cowboy friend just says nope no it isn't and he rides off, and we we get a scene of a bunch of it looks like Native Americans hung and killed and badness. And back in present day, uh, the episode shows us the measure of an, a certain alcoholic vampire. Just when uh, Cassidy is starting to seem like one of the good guys, we get a real taste of his selfishness as he abandons Custer after fun and existential and inebriated chat passed out on the church floor. Remember, he's on the run from the uh, vampire hunters. So we get the scene with, um, this was like so out of Sam Raimi's textbook. The whole chainsaw. We get two mysterious guys who showed up at the end of the last episode, you know, basically like, it's here. And we've got to assume it is what is whatever is inside Jesse. And they're your typical kind of, are these guys men in black types or what, you know. Um, kind of that stereotype, but... They eventually show up and happen upon um, Cassidy, who who got drunk with Jesse the night before, and and gave him some kind of concoction that knocked him out completely, which he warned him not to drink, I might add. And um, what did he say it was made of? It was like rubbing alcohol, some shite, some shite I found off of the back of the air conditioner. Yeah. And, uh, (laughs) you know, something else. (laughs) Cassidy clearly isn't too picky about where he gets his alcohol. Sounds like any (laughs) phrase. Yeah, <clears throat> but they get uh, nice and shit-faced, and then Jesse is unconscious, and, and we get our two friends with a mysterious device that involves a coffee can um, approach Jesse and, and, and try to extract whatever it is that is within him, and uh, Cassidy ends up intervening, and just a hilarious and bloody Donnie Brook breaks out, the likes of which... TV rarely sees <laughs> and should see more of. It's me, your looking fair, right? And honestly, boys, I don't know how you keep fighting me. Truly, I don't. But I do know 
that you're going to be sorry you did, huh? And not just the kind of I took half a sheet of LSD down at the bullfight last night, kind of sorry neither. No, 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 boys. No, this kind of sorry, it's much worse. Uh, yeah, we get a good old uh, Achilles tendon biting yeah. by the vampire and blood spurting. And and then, of course, the, uh, the obligatory chainsaw coming down on the arm of the person who's trying to kill Cassidy. And, and then just the chainsaw literally dragging the arm towards... <laughs> Not Jesse, but uh, Cassidy. But yeah, the, the chainsaw just slowly inching towards towards Jesse as as Cassidy's trying to get free to save him. That was just so evil, dead. You know, so intentionally <laughs> evil, dead that I would not believe Seth Rogen if he told me it wasn't. So. <laughs> so that was definitely some fun stuff. Uh, Cassidy, you know, mops up and kills both of the interveners and 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 cleans up and buries them and and then we find out literally a scene later that they're still alive and talking to the sheriff <clears throat> well they're from the government you know yeah right <laughs> we can blink and a nod is a song they apparently have to sing to extract this thing from from jesse i was, I was waiting break. for one of them to say we're on a mission from god right yeah well <laughs> we kind of do in episode three i think uh, I think it's episode three. One of them blurts out, I'm, we're from heaven. Yeah. The other one is trying to maintain the whole government thing. The early run-up press to this was it, it was indicating they might mess with the, the whole premise of the comic and change it a little bit, and it looks like they're sticking pretty close to it, which makes me very happy, and I won't tell you exactly what that is, but I'm sure you guys are putting it together. So anyway, we get the baptism theme or scene where uh, Jesse's going through and you know his newfound, artificially inspired faith in God. I guess uh, he's baptizing his whole church, and and of course Tulip wants to get in on it to further just put herself in between Jesse and his chosen path and remind him, you know, of the job that she's got for her. Did that and, did that scene with her getting baptized feel obscene to you? I think it was intended yeah, to. And no, it, yes, it did. It, it just made me feel dirty. Definitely did the trick, yes. Um, <laughs> you know, when she gets done and she thanks him for making her wet, you know. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty much the, the, the big inflatable innuendo hammer coming down on her heads, yeah. I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. We'll talk about it next time. You're here. I, I don't know what that means. What? <laughs> <laughs> Doused in the Holy Spirit. That's what it is. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, yeah, this is great stuff. Great stuff. Uh, did not see uh, Cassidy come out and get baptized uh, due to sunlight, I'm assuming. Although we do know that holy water doesn't affect him. In the airplane fight, one of the people actually tries to pour holy water on his head, and he's just like, oh, for fuck's sake, you know. Now I wonder if that's too many movies, basically. <laughs> or I wonder if that's basically the whole, you know, like Fright Night had the little faith argument. Yeah, you know, they yeah. don't work unless you truly believe. Yeah, I'm thinking maybe it doesn't work at all. There's obviously a couple different rules for for vampires. That, like Cassie doesn't exactly explode in sunlight; he starts smoking, and but he can like put a hat on and wander out in the sun. So he's not your your standard movie. Well, we saw that in Buffy and so even they, in, yeah. in, in True Blood. They'd run around yeah. under a blanket. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, you have to. Shooting at night is you know, problematic sometimes, I guess. And all your other characters are up during the day, so <laughs> you got to do something. Well, it's not like he he like jumps in a in a casket to sleep the, the day away. Right. No, no. So it's yeah, it's more your modern day, not exactly Dracula type vampire, which is cool. I think it was so in the comics too. I, I get the feeling that even if Cassidy could sleep, he probably doesn't. Probably can't sleep. Right. You know, just being that kind of, uh, you know, he, it's like he's got to take Adderall to keep himself focused. Yeah, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's always looking bit, for something. A bit manic and, you know, likes his drugs. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. It said baptizing. We get to, uh, you know, he baptizes Eugene, who I was, I, I admit, I was afraid of Eugene, you know, drowning when he baptized. I don't really see his lips closing completely, not let the water in. Uh, poor guy has to drink, eat his meals through a straw. We got to see his dad, you know, prepare one of his meals, which was like raw meat and veggies and on a blender and made him a meat shake. <laughs> yeah, brisket smoothie. Ugh. <laughs> but uh, we also meet Linus, uh, somebody that uh, Jesse baptizes, but he wants to talk to him later, and he uh, confesses to Jesse that he's the, the town bus driver. He confesses to Jesse that he's having, you know, urges about one particular girl on the bus. And, you know, he's doing his Christian duty of, of washing his sins away by confessing him. And he wants to make very sure that, you know, Jesse can't say anything, that this is confidential. And you can see Jesse doesn't really want to take this confession <laughs> or the hug afterwards. And we, we have a feeling that's definitely going to go somewhere. Yeah, creepy, creepy, creepy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not, it's one of the, this, this whole show is going to be a weird balance. It's going to be, the humor in it is going to be very dark, and there's going to be some very, very dark stuff. Yeah, but this is an interesting point. Okay, we're yeah. we're in a movie where you got people that are getting killed and coming back from the dead within yeah. seconds. you got a kid that's an ass face. You've got a vampire that, well, I mean, he gives that nice little blood tap. All this yeah. stuff, we're okay with that. But a guy comes in, talks about doing a little teenage girl, and we're creeped out to hell. I mean, at least I was. Yeah, she's that's, dead. That's beautiful writing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. Well, it's most of the shows I watch are like that. It's like, yeah, hundreds of people die on this show, but oh, they just ran over a puppy. Oh, Fuck man. you! I quit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's good that they that they still have, you know. To combat the dark humor, they still have real weight to it. And, well, you can see that, you know, Jesse's kind of realizing what his new power is. We don't really see much reaction from him. I wasn't even sure if he knew in the second episode whether that guy had cut his own heart out or not, and he made the connection. Uh, did either of you figure that out, if he was even making the connection, that's why the guy died? That- I, I think that that, uh, that was just complete disbelief. Yeah, you know that he, he he couldn't possibly sit there and think I did that at that point. But later, when he real he recognizes his what his voice is doing is when it, of course it, it dawns on him. But it takes him a while to stew it all over. Yeah, and in the meantime, he also goes to visit another member of the community who a young girl who had gotten what was the accident she was in? Uh, I forgot. A horse. Horse. That's right. Thrown off the horse. Yeah. Yeah. 
and was essentially in a coma and skull cracked. And no, all her that good her stuff. brain was gone. I mean, <clears throat> her head was dented in. There, yeah. there, I mean, there basically she'd lost a good part of her brain. So just yeah. the autonomic processes are running. It keeps her breathing and and everything. But you know, there's no one there. Yeah, and Jesse's trying his best to be, you know, kind of preacher and. He brings over a casserole because his assistant says he should. And, um, the mom has completely lost faith, and you know it's basically like, "Thanks for the casserole. I'll feed it to the dog when you leave." But this is, you know, worth more than any words you're going to say to me, preacher. You know, essentially, my faith is gone. Fuck your God, essentially. Um, and so he's a little distraught about that, but he also gets it under his uh, in his head to go try his new power out on on Linus. And so he, he finally loses it and busts into Linus's house. And he's like, you can't just come in here and turn on my bathtub like that. <laughs> and that was a hilarious line. It's like, you know, a guy just busted into your house and he turns on the bath and you have to include that into your outrage. <laughs> but uh, it's obviously that uh, Jesse's setting up another very hot baptism um, for Linus. Yeah. And Linus is protesting, saying, yeah, you know, oh, I already confessed, you know, I'm clean, I don't have to do this again. And, and Jesse uses the power to tell him to forget her, you know, completely. And scalds him a little bit, just for good measure. And um, the guy kind of knows what's been done to him. He, he freaks right out. He's like, what did you do to my brain? Like, he realizes that part of his memory has been, been taken away. So it's kind of, you know... It, gives you a good feeling of justice but also it's like oh shit you know jesse's better <laughs> kind of rein this in or he's gonna have more people pulling their hearts out and shit um then after that seemingly works he goes back to uh, the young girl's house and decides to try on his his power out on her and ask her to open her eyes which is pretty much how he ended uh the episode i think yep and um yeah Remains to be seen what happens there. Um, all the speculation between week two and week three was like, oh, she's going to open her eyes, but there's still going to be nothing there. So yeah. we'll have to see. Um, I said Jesse's going to have to learn <laughs> how literal he's like Drax in Guardians of the Galaxy now. It's like he has to make sure to say everything literally very carefully or it, things are going to go badly. Yeah, it's like Dungeons and Dragons wishes. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That, that's Yeah, exactly. Sarah can relate to that one. She came her. Yeah. My DM was a bastard. Oh, <laughs> uh, we also get to meet uh, Odin Quincannon, which uh, is very big. I-, I barely remember him from the comics, but apparently he's like the big bad in the comics or one of that's, them. That's Jackie Earl Haley, is it? Not yeah, that? which um, always good to see him play, you know. Anything. Whether you loved, whether you loved Watchmen or not, he was the perfect Rorschach. Yes, as far as uh, that movie's concerned. Um, That's funny. Yeah, I've liked him all the way back to Bad News Bears and Breaking Training. Oh yeah, me too. <laughs> Shit, yeah. Well, in the original, he, yeah, he was Kelly, the you know the, the cigarette smoking uh-huh. juvenile delinquent that Tatum O'Neill falls for. <laughs> wow, we're old. All right. <laughs> Civilization now, huh? Yeah, Um, but he's a meat processing businessman. Which, if I remember, I'm starting to latch onto what that might mean in the future, and it's not going to be pretty. That's all I get. (laughs) 
I have no idea, but it's definitely not what it sounds like. But uh, how do you think this is going to play with? I don't know. Anyone but preacher fans, you guys are watching it. Um, but man, I worry about this show latching onto people because it's weird. It's fucking weird. Um, I, I in all think, the ways I love, but yeah, I think we need to get somebody that you know is a preacher, a preacher. You know, someone that has read the book and you know just loves it. I, I know you you read it before, but it's been a long time since you read it. I'm yeah. guessing. And we need somebody that you know that is is knowledgeable on that as most people are about the Dark Knight Returns. So we can, oh, we know, can get but... that point of view of whether or not you know how they feel about how this is translating. You know, and and I mean, for you know today's day, how this how this translates, this is really really well, interesting. I'm willing it's, to do it. I I want to go back and read it yeah. now, but I'm just wondering if I do and I don't want to do it. I almost want to, you know, it's almost the reason I'm glad I haven't read any Game of Thrones yet because I can enjoy the show and not nitpick the hell out of it. Yeah, that's, I think I want to do that with this show too. But I also want to you know, be able to talk about the differences. As I said, one that I talked about just within the early ones that said Anvil, Texas doesn't even exist in the comics. I mean, they go on a literal road trip. And the difference between the character, I mean, Cassidy is pretty much Cassidy in the comics, but total departure from blonde hair, blue-eyed Tulip in the comics, which was obviously, I thought, a brave, you know, brave call on their part, you know, to, to go the diversity um in this, and, and she's a great actress, man. She's going to just tear this freaking part up. <laughs> and uh, so looking forward to it. But, yeah, you don't need to. Uh, Jesse looks a lot different than he does in the comics for the most part. Um, but still, I, I think I think it's a cool look for him, just the very disheveled, high hair, scruffy. Yeah, I mean, it's, and he's got a, you know, he's kind of trying to, I was a little worried I'd just see Howard Stark <laughs> we just watched you know, Agent Carter not too long ago, but there's he's, no he's Howard Stark. From, no, he's far cry from Howard Stark. Yeah, I, I really, I really like hit, you know that this character that he's created because you can see just so much of what his life is. Is I don't want to deal with this. Yeah, and you know he's doing it all. Everything he's done has been because of the promise that he made. Right. We also get because yeah. he had faith, or that he saw himself as as this as the savior of anybody's soul, and here he is doing all this, and then of course this happens to him, and you know that that anybody that that happens to is going to see it as a responsibility. They're going to take it probably too far. So it'll be interesting to see how far he takes this. I'm looking forward to it. Well, and we get a little brief flashback of his father in the first episode and we get a little more information in the second and we get to see that he actually was shot right in front of Jesse's eyes, presumably. So, And I went back and spoiled myself about that in the comics and see if they go there too because that's as, as, any, as fucked up as any character in this that we've seen on TV so far, if they go with Jesse's family in the comics that turns it up to 11 just trust me about that one it's, it's just weird <laughs> it said I, I'll, I applaud them already for going some of the places that the comic did already on TV and I'll be surprised if they go other places but that they seem to be on track with 
uh, a lot of fucks to give, and we're just going to kind of go for it. And you know, if we get a second season, we do. If we don't, we don't. But uh, I have no doubt that we're going to get a second season based <laughs> on what I've seen. Just yeah. just the the scenes and the chemistry between Tulip and Jesse. You know, you've got that whole devil and the light. Yeah. Dy- dynamic going on and it's you know the seduction that she's throwing ahead at him from every which way and I, I mean I mean those scenes are, are twice as good as the scenes that have just them as individuals in the show yeah she is persistent yes she is that much. she is persistent is it second episode we get the uh, she's playing cards right or was that the third it was the second but you know, it, it makes me think of um, the Quick and the Dead with Gene Hackman and Russell Crowe, yeah. and just how Gene Hackman kept on and on and on about Russell Crowe about what he really is versus you know what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, that that's Tulip's whole thing. Is like I know there's a bad man in there somewhere, Jesse Custer. You you just have to meet him again, basically. It's only a matter of time until you become you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, so, so yeah. And in the comics, he, he was a pretty bad person um, before he became a preacher. The question is, will he ever tell Tulip to do anything in the voice? Yeah, um, and I said again, that's that stuff I don't even I don't remember most of the plot points from. I just remember a lot of the moments, man. Garth Ennis is great at just. Well, you know, so my my question, you know, what the fuck moments in his comics. The question I always have, I always have when somebody gets power like that, and I always think of Spawn. You know, Spawn, yeah. his power was limited. He was going to run out of it at some point. Yeah, and that would, you know, he would then die again and be condemned to hell, and you know, so is Jesse's power limited, or is it with him forever? I mean, obviously, these guys want to get it back. Yeah. But is it going to run out? Could it run out? That's that's my question. Only someone that knows the comic is going to know the answer to that. Yeah, and no, well, they like said I, I, I'm not going to spoil anything for you. It, it remains to be seen. It looks like they're on track to do. The thing is def, is technically called Genesis in the comics, and that's all I'll say about it. But um, <laughs> yeah, hopefully they will go that route. And it looks like originally they were. There were rumors out there that were saying it's like it was, the aliens were going to be involved, and I guess they could still go that way. But I think it's actually going to be more of the religious stuff that that the actual comic, you know, talked about. Which I think, why not? You know, Supernatural's been on freaking air for like you know eleven years now, right? So people are down with the supernatural. I mean, this will start looking like supernatural to you pretty soon. Well, Sarah. let me ask you this though. Okay, oh, so preacher, preacher, my minus the uh, the Winchester brothers. You you just leave my Winchesters alone. <laughs> yeah, but the preacher was a DC comic under the Vertigo line, right? Yeah, yeah. And we have already seen on Green Arrow they brought in Constantine, which yeah, I love that show. I wish they had kept Constantine on the air. All right. Yeah, me too. Is there any chance? I mean, I, I, I'm assuming they're completely different universe. Is there any chance that there could be a crossover with Constantine and Preacher? Because that would be I, awesome. Yeah, that would be. Um, yeah, they never did in the comics. It was totally its own standalone thing. Mm. Uh, but but I'm assuming yeah. that Preacher being on AMC is no part of the Berlanti verse anyway. So it, no. you shouldn't yeah. expect it to be. But no, as I said, I don't think they ever ever crossed over. 
like that at all. Um, which I know they're they're doing now. Oh, fuck, there's a Spawn character in Marvel Comics now. Angela, I guess, somehow crossed over to Marvel Comics. I'm not sure how they managed that one, but yeah. Now I'm looking at some uh, some you know pictures from Preacher Comics, or at least I've just you know done a, a basic Wikipedia search, and I'm seeing a picture of I guess Jesse and is Tula blonde haired woman in the yeah, comics. But- yeah, okay. as I said, she they went way different with her. <laughs> well, I, I like the way they went. I, I I'm yeah. a fan of, of Ruth Nega, so I you know I that I don't have any problem with that. Yeah, I think it adds just another level to her, and she's just man, she's obviously a badass too. And uh, Tulip in the comics was a badass, but um, she actually was less had less to do than I think they're going to give Ruth Nega. So I I think it's. I'm really feeling like it's an improvement on the source material, which is rare. I mean, it's it's not going to be the same thing, but it just has a more cohesive plot, really. I mean, the first couple issues of Preacher is just kind of like, they hit the road quick. Everything happens, like, way quick before you even really get to know anybody. And Tulip and Cassidy just kind of show up together out of the blue, and then not a lot of explanation for it. And it's just kind of like, I like how they're slowly building to things in this as opposed to how they did it in the comic. You really couldn't like do an exact adaptation of the comics or people would be even ten times more lost than they probably are already. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think it's just been a great accomplishment so far, so hats off to Seth Rogan and his buddies. I wasn't I seen Green Hornet and I wasn't sure he could pull it off, so <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't as big a fan of Green Hornet. I mean, I I was hoping for it to to be more serious, less comedic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I but it, it, I mean, it was very runs of the real Green Hornet. So I was hoping he would have respected it a little better than he did. But yeah, he's respecting this one. He's you can tell he's a fan. This is made by fans, and that's always a good thing. So yeah. Oh, and I did see a, a picture of our face in the comics. So. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't. Know yeah, it's that. yeah. He, it's a little less gruesome, but I mean, it's. I think it's as good as they could handle. You know, good as they could do it on TV. <laughs> uh, it's. I never thought I'd see Archface portrayed as a person on TV, but there he is. So yeah. <laughs> well, in the comics, he just looks like one of my relatives without their teeth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> kind of. Uh, it's almost more gruesome in in on TV because it's. It really looks a lot more like an ass on TV than it does in the comics. Does the way he Sad talks make say. you think of Kenny from South Park? Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's nice that they they run subtitles for him too when he's talking. I appreciate that. Yeah, they, they need to run it for Cassidy. I can barely understand what Cassidy's saying half the time, and hopefully they'll get him to articulate a little better in the future. I think he's just saying, staying so Irish, yeah, so heavy, I mean, almost Gaelic, yeah, in his uh, in his accent until he gets it, a bit drunk. <laughs> yeah, um, see, that's a, yeah, it's uh, weird. I, I we podcast with David Walker a lot, man. I can understand him perfectly. He's like you know, and I see so you know the Irish kind of stereotype on TV, and I can barely understand what the hell they're saying sometimes. What was that so, movie that Brad Pitt was in? Um, Madonna's husband had directed where he was the Irish boxer. Oh. He wasn't the main star of it. Um, 
And, you know, he had an accent. I mean, basically, he had to have subtitles on through the whole movie because he just couldn't understand a word he said in that accent. And it was in, yeah, definitely uh, on purpose. And I'm trying to remember if it was like, it's not rock and roll, it's uh, Snatch. Yeah, he played okay, yeah. like Mickey O'Neill and Snatch. It was just hilarious. Cause, and that's what, what, what I get from this guy. He's like, he's talking in that, that accent so thick that it's yeah. almost intentional that you don't understand what he's saying. Yeah, yeah. I, I still I wish it was, I almost wish it was on pay cable just so they could say the F word because there's nothing greater than hearing an Irish man say the F word. I could probably say it and get away with it in that thick accent. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> no, they, they certainly don't shy away from shit. And he calls the, the two, you know, two government agents a couple of gobshites. You know, <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, and then the uh, the adjustments to the church sign every day. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, yeah, I mean, they've gotten away with some pretty pretty nasty stuff there. <laughs> yeah, what was the first one? Let me see if I can find it. It was the second one that made the the sperm comment so that's gonna be a running gag you know it is all right we need to let miss sarah get to the overlook here probably yep. so i don't think there's much more to be said except uh we're planning on continuing this hopefully in a timely fashion um for the weekly heroics podcast in some capacity and i do invite you guys and and beth too when she's feeling better hopefully mm-hmm. to keep doing this with us at least if you want uh, at least till you know, you have our walking fear the Walking Dead duties come back upon us. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if she's into this show as much as I am. Yeah, she watched them with you though. She well, she did watch them not not with me, uh, you know, because uh, just you know sometimes her sleeping hours and my sleeping hours are different, so it's always a uh, have you watched this yet? Oh, let's watch it together, okay? Or, or she'll watch it when you know I'm working or whatever. The the show's not going to be for everyone. I hope it finds an audience, but it's going to be. <laughs> I, I, I think that anybody that watched Breaking Bad and Walking Dead yeah. Yeah. are going to watch I mean, this show. And they're going to say, you know, it's that combination of both elements in a way. And just high-quality production, man. The AMC is not skimp on their shows. It really never ceases to amaze me. The- well, we're in a great, great time as TV yeah. viewers. Of uh, yeah, I mean, we're in a TV renaissance right now where the, the things that are coming on TV are almost leaps and bounds above what's coming out on in the movies. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the movie stars are sitting there realizing, you know, I can make more money on doing a regular TV series than I can on maybe doing a couple movies a year. And yeah. most of them are work, in anyway. the box office anyway. Yep. So we're getting this great, you know, great writing because they're sitting there and they're poaching all of the comic book stories that we've been reading for the past 40, 50, 60 years. Yeah. And know we're out there. Yeah, and and so it's it's you know it we're in this time where we're getting all this great stuff on TV, and I just hate summers right now. I mean, this is the best part of summers that we get shows like this. Yeah. But I'm hating summers because all the regular great shows that have been on this last season are off. Like, what do I do now? Uh, I, I rewatched The Wire. That's what I did. Like an idiot. Well, see, I haven't done that. I have not watched The Wire. Ah, uh, just. Awesome. Now, which awesome. which wire are you talking about? Because there's a couple different ones. You're talking about the one that's from the prison, J.K. Simmons, and all that. Or Idris Elba. No, that was Oz. Um, the wire oh, that's, was that's Oz. Yeah, that's right. Wire was HBO too, but it was David Simon. It was about uh, cops and and drug dealers in Baltimore. Okay, okay. No, but see, I, I hadn't watched watched that. There's a bunch of things I need to watch. 
Of course, I've been watching Game of Thrones with rapt attention, and that's yep. been very interesting. I'll, I'll tell you the the sad thing is is like last couple of days as we've been out uh, at the amusement park and the water park, I keep seeing people that look like Hodor. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> Just feeling the loss, man. It's okay. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I don't it's know. Still soon. It's still, still too painful. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I mentioned that around Beth. She'll start crying. <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the show. I'm on for the long haul, and, you know, we'll see where it goes. Yeah. I, I, they're not afraid to spend money. I mean, I heard rumors that the reason that they're setting it all in Anvil, Texas, was like, like I said, like budgetary reasons. But then, it was second second episode, bam, we've got a period piece. We've got 1881, and you know, people in costumes and horses, and it's awesome. It's just, yeah, they do it right, man. AMC all the way. <laughs> I wonder how many westerns have actually been shot in Texas. I'm gonna have to look that up. I'm not gonna tell anybody though, so don't wait. Don't wait on me. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, you got anything else? Not really. Um, all right. This has been issue zero of Weekly Heroics: <laughs> Two True Freaks Guide to Heroes on TV, or even Anti-Heroes on TV. And it's our special preacher edition. Wherever we're gonna fit this, I have no idea, but I'm claiming it. <laughs> I'm trying to build my own little podcasting empire here and taking on too many projects at once. We'll join you again in a week, probably. So, later, folks. Bye-bye. Adios. It's time for some thrilling heroics. A brand new podcast on twotruefreaks.com. Keep flying. A Firefly podcast. We aim to do the impossible. Cover every episode of Joss Whedon's science fiction space opera western. And that makes us mighty. we found as fine a crew as ever populated the podcasting verse. I told them I had a job. They said yes. Didn't much care what it was. So join me, Andrew Leyland. I fought for the independence. May have been the losing side. Not so sure it was the wrong one. I'm joined by a man too pretty to die, Mr. Paul Spataro. And last, but by no means least, a man with a mighty fine hat, Shepherd Bill Robinson. So join us on twotruefreaks.com for Keep Flying, a Firefly podcast. We aim to misbehave. Whole town's been hearing stories about, uh, you're a tough guy. So show us. This is no time for fighting. We're at war. You walked into the party like you were walking onto a yacht. Your hat strategically dipped below one eye. Your scarf it was apricot. You had one eye in the mirror as you watched yourself. Song is about